But there is a difference in practicing sin and just falling into sin. See, falling into sin means you trip up, you made a mistake, you didn't mean to do that, you feel remorse, you're guilty. If you have a practice of sin, it means that your heart has grown cold and grown hard against the work of the Lord in your life. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. In the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 21, closing out this chapter today, we saw that Paul had taken a second visit to Jerusalem And he met with James, Peter, and John, and he said, guys, this is what I'm sharing with the Gentiles. And he said they didn't even compel uh, Titus to be circumcised. So he brought a Gentile with him, and if he would have been preaching the wrong gospel, the wrong message, then they would have said, you know what, your sidekick there, Titus, he needs to be circumcised. He said, but that didn't happen. He said, in fact, they gave me the right hand of fellowship and said that me and Barnabas should go and be the apostles to the Gentiles and we the apostles to the Jews. But they had a common faith in a common Savior, realizing that our salvation comes through faith in God alone and no other. And no other means and no other ways. And in verse 14, it tells us, But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, that straightforward is simply a Greek word that means that you are on a straight path. No detours. You're walking that narrow road. He says, when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, Why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? So Paul got into Peter's face. Now, he didn't do it privately. We would think that, you know, show a little respect. Peter is the Pope, you know, the first one. You don't. Anyways, we would think, show a little respect in this situation. But see, this was, he knew that this was a huge issue and that, If this didn't get resolved on the spot, it could have a splintering effect in the church from that day forward. What if the people didn't see Paul confront Peter? By this time, Peter should have known better. But later on, Peter will write and confirm 
the very same things that Paul had to condemn him of on this day, that he was in the wrong. He won't write that I was in the wrong. He won't write about this situation, but he will write about the straightforwardness of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, and that we are justified in Christ alone and no others. See, Peter should have known better because Peter was the guy that it's the Lord who called Peter to give testimony to the house of Cornelius. Now, when Peter stepped in that door the very first time, he said, I've never been in a Gentile's house before. So just his foot going over the threshold was a big deal. But now we learn that not only did he go into the house, share Christ with them, baptize them, he ate with them, he fellowshiped with them. And Peter recounted the whole story to them, uh, much of what I've just told you. But in verse 15, he says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. And then he said, I remembered the words of the Lord, the work of the Holy Spirit right there working in Peter's life. It's as Peter was there, he was obedient to the word of the Lord. And this is how you may say that, you know, I just don't know how the Lord's working in my life. I don't know how the Spirit's working in my life. Let me encourage you that oftentimes we discover that through obedience. See, if Peter wouldn't have went with the men and got to Caesarea, got into the house of Cornelius, then he wouldn't have saw what was taking place while he was preaching the gospel. And he said, while I was preaching the gospel to them, he didn't even do an invitation. The Spirit came down on them. And then he said, I remembered the words of the Lord. Now, Scripture tells us in John 14, 26, one of the works of the Holy Spirit in our life is to bring to remembrance those things which Jesus told or spoke about. And he said, I remember these words. This is what Jesus said. John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he has given us, when we believed on the Lord Jesus, who was I that I should withstand God? But when Peter withdrew from this table there in that church in Antioch, he was, in a sense, withstanding against God because he was no longer recognizing the same faith, the same gift that these Gentile believers had in Jesus Christ. And so they were not straightforward with the gospel. Peter should have known better. But he said, you being a Jew, living in the manner of the Gentiles, let's I have, uh, uh, I know a few Jewish friends, and, and uh, it's funny because a lot of times they're kind of kosher, well, kind of kosher may be the right way to describe them. They're kosher to a point, but in some areas they're not. It's you being a Jew living in the manner of the Gentiles. They, you know... They were advertising in Israel. It's funny because according to the word of God, the pig is one of the uh, meats. And by the way, we have a big ham downstairs. We're not, we're not kosher today. Um, but that's one of the meats that you don't eat. So just in modern day history, they're trying to figure out what makes swine unclean. And so they are raising, not all Jews will eat it, but they are raising in Israel Swine that if they're raised on concrete, never touch the dirt, then you can have clean swine. <laughs> so they've figured out a way around the law of God that they can have a barbecue sandwich, barbecue pork sandwich too. They serve it there, not all would eat. But there are some who are kind of, we're living like 
the Gentiles, but we're wanting the Gentiles to live like us, and we can't even do it. And so in verse 15, he says, We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh will be or shall be justified. Now, this is one of the themes of the book of Galatians is justification by faith. But it's here in verse 16 that that word ever, the first time it appears in this book, as I said earlier, he's going to He's going to spend two chapters, chapters three and four, talking about what it means to be justified by faith. But one of the easy, one of the easy definitions, I guess I could say, of justification would be this. Just remember this. You think about justification. Think about this. From God's perspective, through faith in Jesus Christ, it's just as if you had never sinned. It, it's really a legal term saying that, you have been justified, you know, you got to stand before a judge, before a court, and uh, the judge lets you off. No charges, you're free. The court that we will all one day stand before is the court of God. And through Jesus Christ, he will look at us. And it might be like, what are you doing here? Just as though you've never sinned. Because we've been forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ. So man, knowing that he is not justified by the works of the law, he he said, Peter, you know better. The Jews even know that the works of the law don't make it. I was with the seven people who were around me last night, and, and I mentioned that a lot of people think that being good enough will get them into heaven. And then I shared that the Bible says there are none good, no, not one, from God's perspective. And yet, we have so many people in this world that think that they're going to get to heaven because they're good. So in some sense, I I said something about sin, and uh, a man named Chris, who is on my left, just smiled and laughed. Because we've all sinned. I think I said something like that. And he's probably thinking, yeah, you better believe it. You know, from his perspective, he knew he was a sinner. And that's why he was there. But so often we think that it's justification by good works. We can get in these ruts and these routines in our spiritual life where we know that we have called upon the name of Jesus. And according to the word of God, we are saved. But then we begin to measure our salvation by the things that we do, and realize the things that you do should be an outcome of your salvation, but it's not making you any more saved than you were on the day that you called upon the name of Jesus in faith. You're saved according to the Word of God. And yet, even as Christians, we can get wrapped up into doing things to justify our position and our faith. James will deal with that topic when he writes... But he basically said that the works that we do, it's an outcome of our faith. We're not doing works to gain faith, but it's just an outcome of our faith. Now, in doing the works, we can grow our faith. There's benefits in it. 
in, in serving others, we can strengthen our relationship with the Lord. I mean, I'm not saying there's not benefits, but when you wipe all that away, salvation comes through Christ alone. We are justified through faith in Christ and nothing else. Verse 17. But while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. So what they were saying, and and Paul deals with this in the book of Romans also, is that they were saying, look, Paul's road is too easy. But he's saying this free grace, you know, justified by faith, free grace. You're not paying the cost. And so therefore, what Paul is saying that this salvation in Christ alone is a license to sin. And people have that attitude. It's a wrong attitude to have, but people have that attitude. And Paul begins to deal with it right here. He said, if we seek to be justified by Christ and we are found sinners, it's like you go forward receive Christ, and then keep living the way you used to, which caused you to go forward to ask Jesus to come in your life. But then he said Christ becomes a minister of sin, and he is not a minister of sin. There has to be that change. Salvation is accepting Christ, but it is also Christ coming into your heart. And when Christ comes into our hearts, he begins to work a work of change in our lives. I don't know what drove you to the cross. I know that I don't want to go backwards. I only want to go forward. I want to have that sense of, he said they weren't being straightforward with the gospel, meaning they hadn't been walking a straight path. And I want to walk the path that the Lord has set for me. And I don't want to give excuses or license for sin in my life, saying, oh, the Lord will forgive me. You know what? The word tells us that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just, forgives for our sin, and cleanses from all unrighteousness. But there is a difference in practicing sin and just falling into sin. See, falling into sin means you trip up, you made a mistake, you didn't mean to do that, you feel remorse, you're guilty. If you have a practice of sin, it means that your heart has grown cold and grown hard against the work of the Lord in your life. And that's a dangerous place to be. Christ is not a minister. He didn't die on the cross just to give us a license to live as we want. He died on the cross, and we say, Savior and Lord. And he goes on to to build this point by saying, verse 18, For if I build again those things which are destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Those things which are destroyed, the past life, if I begin to build them back up again, It seems like quite often I had an uncle who did this. You know, he wasn't happy with how his life was. And so after 30 plus years of marriage, he made contact with his high school sweetheart. That's building again, something that had been gone for 35 years and ended up through that whole event, um, being divorced, and you just see the ripple effect through the family. But he should have never made that phone call. When Facebook, we have all these social media things that can be really so dangerous sometimes. Some of those friends of the past are better left in the past than to bring them back up again. 
I was thinking, I, I wasn't thinking of Facebook. I was thinking of when I go online, a lot of times they have these little T's on the side, you know, um, your yearbook. And they'll have, what, you, what year did you graduate in high school? Look up your old friends in high school, basically. And I don't have a problem with seeing my old friends, talking with my old friends. But if it's based off old relationships, based off the past when I wasn't walking as a believer, as I should, then there is a problem there. You don't want to rebuild again. And so, you know, I look at this verse, and if the Lord has saved you from drugs, then you don't want to go back. He destroyed that in your life. Don't go back to that again. If he saved you from alcohol, you don't want to go back to what's already been destroyed. If it's been an issue of marriage and sexual sin, you don't want to go back there. Christ has freed you from these things. He set you free. Why go back and enslave yourself once again? Then he says, we make ourselves a transgressor. Verse 18, we become a transgressor of the law. Verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law that I might live to God. See, that old life, it's all dead. The new life is that I live for God. I live for Jesus. And people should know that. It's fun being a Calvary pastor sometimes because a lot of people who are familiar with the Calvary Chapel movement think that every single Calvary pastor, you know, they were practically on death row before they became a pastor. You know, I don't have that testimony. But I remember, and many of you guys know Joe Mizia, when he worked in Zion, he worked with someone that I went to school with. And Joe was like, yeah, John's my pastor. And he's like, John? John? I don't know what he was thinking of when he was saying John. But um, he couldn't believe that John was now preaching the word of God. I've died to the law. I've died to the past life. I live to God. I live to Jesus Christ. Verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified in Christ. You know, that is a Greek word that means to be impaled with. So get this picture of Jesus being on the cross and then overlay your body on top of his. I've been crucified with Christ, impaled with. I believe it's Romans 6, 6, where Paul touches on, uses that same Greek word again. I've been crucified. I'm dead. And what he's saying is if that's dead, then it's not to rise up again. No resurrection of the dead for those who have been crucified with Christ, because we have been given a new life. The life we now live is not the life of the flesh, but the life that we live in faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We get that image of Christ on the cross, taking our place for our sin. That is love. Jesus himself said in, in John fifteen thirteen, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. No greater display of love, but through Jesus Christ, giving his life on the cross for you and for me. And he closes this thing up in verse 21 saying, 
I do not satisfy grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Hey, if it's your good works, and I know we're not kind of caught up on the issues of the Mosaic law, but there are some who are. But if it's keeping the Mosaic law, if it's circumcision, if it's good works, then he's saying Christ died in vain. If you're banking your salvation on the things that you do, you are forsaking everything that Christ has done for you. We are justified by faith, just as though we have never sinned. We think about standing in the presence of God. It is going to be awesome. I think in the awesome sense, sometimes I think of that word awesome. I mean, it, it's, it's also a word that means frightening awesome. You know, in the 80s, it was, oh, awesome, man. So it was kind of like a cool thing to say. Oh, it's going to be awesome. So cool. But we're going to be struck with awe is the thought. Think about standing before a holy and righteous God apart from Jesus Christ. But realize through faith in Jesus Christ, you will stand before him justified, sanctified, purified, and sees you now just as though you have never sinned. I hope that uh, you know Christ as your Savior. I hope that you're not banking on anything that mom and dad did for you when you were a child through taking you to church, having ceremonies performed for you during church. Being a believer in Jesus Christ is an active relationship. And to be a true believer in Jesus Christ, it's nothing that others can do for you. Only Christ has done the work. Mom and dad can't do it for you. Family history, family name means nothing. Only if you know Jesus. And I hope that you have accepted him as your Savior. And I hope you're not too prideful in your walk. We live for Christ. It is no longer I who live. You know, when we get prideful in our walk, and that's the things that I do, then I believe we begin to set Christ aside. But if we're giving glory to the Lord, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, then he is glorified, not us. Now, I am honestly amazed at a lot of the things the Lord has allowed this bricklayer to do. But he's allowed me to do it. And I believe the Lord has a work for each of us. It's all going to be different. It's all going to be different levels. But we all know people that, you know, you know folks I'll never meet in my life. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have an opportunity to share Christ with that individual. That is a wonderful gift the Lord has given you, a wonderful opportunity. And so we live for Christ, to serve him. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. And if we try to live for glory of our own self, try to live for the works, saying, look what I've accomplished, then we have set aside the grace of God. And we've set aside the work that Jesus did on the cross for you. And for me, Father, I thank you for this morning and for the word that you've allowed us to go through, Lord, and just this exciting book 
this epistle in the Bible where Paul is just telling us that we have liberty, we have freedom in Christ Jesus, that we have been justified by faith. But he's also dealing with issues that are so common for us today. We can get distracted, we can get taken off the wrong path, and we can get to where we're no longer straightforward about the gospel of Jesus Christ in our own lives. And Lord, I pray two things here as I close. One, that if there's anyone here today that has never accepted you as their Savior, or their walk and their relationship has been off track and they know it, Lord, that they would get that right before they leave this house today. And number two, Lord, I pray by taking us through this epistle over these next few weeks, Lord, that you would be continually showing us where we should be in our walk and our relationship with you. And Lord, by the time we get through chapters 5 and chapter 6, Lord, that you would just help us to understand and know what it means to be led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. I pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts and our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Thank you.